On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the broadcast basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 30 of Cinemental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother sit here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. Kill her, mommy. Kill her. We'll tear your soul apart. I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hoeke, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin, and Latham Conger III. Today's guest doesn't hate pets, and although having none himself, this should not be taken as judgment on all of you pet lovers out there. He's an award-winning artist who, having survived the worlds of Marvel, DC, and Image Comics, eventually moved into film and TV. But the allure of the comic book artist's life was, alas, too great, and it drew him back into its warm fold once again. Not content with merely making a living drawing, he co-created Drink and Draw, a popular social network for artists that gathers at bars, taverns, and lounges. Dan Panosian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me and reading that bio. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I loved it. I, I, I wanted to make it my own a little bit. because Yeah, I noticed uh, that. I liked it. I'm, I like that abridged version. <laughs> I'll, I'll happily send you a copy if you want. Yeah, send me a copy of that. I'll, I'll <laughs> Uh, so Dan, let's see how how long have I known you? Um, a long time. Did, was it was it? Did I know you prior to doing the thing print, or did we meet on that project, or on, on or around that? On that project, that it was probably a, a Long Beach uh, Comic Con year, one of the first ones. Right, 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 right. And then we we ended up. I know my I know my hook was uh, was uh, carpenter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The hook. The hook was. Oh, by the way, I can get you invited yeah. over to John's house, and you can you yeah, meet for, John. For dinner, <laughs> yeah, which for... was. I, I. I don't know. That's probably the <laughs> the most quiet I've ever been at a dinner. Ever. <laughs> plus, plus, John Carpenter is a little intimidating. I pitched him a. Um, I was working on this, developing this video game, and I wanted him to be a part of it. And um, I, I, I came over, and the thing was in the beta testing form. And as you know, there's a reason that they're in beta tests. They're. Yeah. They're not ready for prime time yet. And <laughs> I brought it over and and it was the worst pitch in the world. It was nothing worked. The video connection didn't work. The game kept like falling apart and not, you know, you know, not playing properly. And there's all sorts of glitches. I just had to laugh. And he goes, Why are you laughing? He goes, absolutely the worst pitch I've ever seen happen in my life. And he, and um, I said, Well, you know what? I'll here's what I'll do next time, John. I'll um I'll test everything out in front of your doorstep ahead of time and I'll, I'll knock. I go, I'll give you the thumbs up if it's all working or the thumbs down and I'll just walk off. I go, you want to deal with me again? <laughs> he looked at me for a second and he goes, you know, I've never heard a pitch that bad either. He goes, but the fact that, that you're still smiling about it and laughing, he goes, you're on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got a kick out of that. I thought that was pretty cool of him. You know, I, he's uh He's he's a, he is a character. I uh, I I've yeah. enjoyed I've enjoyed my 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 meals and uh, uh, situations where I've been able to hang out with him a little bit. So yeah. so uh, we're, let's go ahead and jump into some news that gives us fits. No, no, no. 
I only have a couple of small things. Uh, a couple of things. One, one actually, I think will interest you, Dan. I don't know how uh, hooked into the the worlds of entertainment you've been today, but the announcement came out today that Netflix is developing a live action yeah. Conan the Barbarian series. Yeah, I heard. I got a lot of friends uh, <laughs> DMing me about that. <laughs> They're like, you should, I don't you, know. should call, you should call Netflix and do development well, art. I, I got a few of those. Like, call them and tell me you want to work on it. I'm like, I, if it only worked that way, like, <laughs> call up Netflix and, and say that. That'd be awesome. Hi, Netflix. This is yeah. Dan Panosian. I really love Conan. You should hire me. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're right. We should. Uh, also, a Fistful of Dollars TV series is in development. Okay, who did they get to on the lead on that one? Uh, no, this is really, really early from the point oh. that like they're literally just, I think, probably laying out the bare bones of how they're going to approach. And what it sounds like is they're approaching it. Uh, they're approaching all three films as one storyline and they're going to build it out that way. Uh, I'll, I'll be really curious to see how this kind of moves forward. You got to get, get the right kind of actor for that. I mean, there's almost no one I can think, I can think <sighs> of that can handle that role. Scott Eastwood? <laughs> I don't know. Scott is too Scott. I don't know. He just doesn't have that grimness. That guy's too right. good looking. He's too good looking. Too he's too good. Hollywood. Man, he's just uh, that's <laughs> one of those guys you go out trade sec, you know, places with that guy in a second. I don't care what else is happening in his life. If I had to switch that day, I think I could I could make it all okay. <laughs> that would be an unbelievable life. You know, even if I never act, even, even really act, young yeah. Eastwood had a shifty look to him. Like yeah, he, Eastwood had a, a kind of unpredictableness yeah, in totally. his aura, you know, that, that made his tough guy shtick work. But yeah. Scott doesn't have that. <laughs> no, Scott's just too happy. He's like, yeah. all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got the last name and you don't. I'm not worried about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and also word came down because Noah Hawley is working on a, uh, a new project and announced he was doing press for that. And, he announced that he had actually been working on a alien TV show ongoing series at FX before uh, the merger happened with Disney. And that's, and then afterwards it was all scrapped, but he had actually, he was actually in the, in the process of working out the bare bones of an alien based ongoing TV series, which I was of course heartbroken to find out. But, uh, and then my one bit of, it would have sucked though. Eh, F- I don't know, FX has a pretty good track record of of creating content. I gotta say, not bad. Yeah, not too bad. All right, I don't know how how far can that go. I mean, the mystique of the alien is that it, the more and more we started to learn about the alien, the worse and worse those the the series started to get. Well, what was most interesting about his comments about it were the fact that his his approach to it was he didn't he wanted to go into it. He knows the alien is, is not an X factor. The alien, everyone knows what the alien is. Everyone knows how it, you know, how it behaves and how yeah. it fits in, how it fits into the, to the dynamic of, you know, aliens and humans in the same space. Everyone understands it. Seems to like the humans quite a bit. His whole, his whole thing was he wanted to build out a very, a very humanized television story and then drop the aliens into it after the fact so he wanted to build the human drama part first and then just have it oh by the way there's also aliens involved yeah that probably would work then so but uh and then my last thing which was actually one of the only things that really truly bugged me this week when it popped up was that the son of evil knievel is currently suing disney 
over the Duke Kaboom character in Toy Story 4. Hmm. Uh, th- this, this is just, just an unbelievable... I mean, first of all, Toy Story 4 came out last year, correct? Last summer? Yeah. Uh, how, is, how is he only now just deciding that now is the time to sue Disney... You know, I never understand that. It's like, you know, you hear about, I always think that the time, like, you know, like the, 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 we talked about this on an earlier show where the, the Sherlock Holmes estate sued, tried to sue Netflix over the Enola Holmes movie, uh, based on the idea that, you know, the later stories of, of, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's with Sherlock Holmes weren't, you know, the early ones are all in the public domain, but the later ones aren't quite in the public domain, but they feature a Sherlock Holmes, which was when he wrote them post-war. So he had, he was more emotional. He was a bit more humanized. And they felt that the Enola Holmes story kind of riffed on that version of Holmes as opposed to the old one. So they're like, well, let's, let's take a shot and see if we can, you know, get some kind of paycheck out of this. And I, I don't understand what the end game here is. I mean, how you can't trademark a daredevil. I mean, Duke Kaboom doesn't look like evil Knievel. He doesn't particularly dress like evil Knievel. I don't, he's Canadian. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why he thinks he has a footing here. Well, I can answer that question for you. And that's, Humans are greedy, and that's why. <laughs> that's exactly why he's well, doing it. There is always that. <laughs> that that literally is why that stuff happens. <laughs> I mean, why would you bother with that? It's, it's you, know, we, you, you can't trade. If you trademark everything, there's nothing left. So, no. Well, not only that, but it's like, you know, there's been quite a, there's been kind of a resurgence of evil Knievel in the last few years anyway of the, of the, you know, the actual, the actual, uh, his father's legacy. And like, there's been a, there's a new documentary that's out. There's been, you know, there's a, there was somebody went back and like redid the toys that came out back in the seventies. And like, you can, you can now find those again, you know, like the old zip, the pull zip cycle, you know, the stunt mm-hmm. cycle and all that kind of stuff. So I don't understand. I, I just, just kind of baffled me as soon as I saw this story. I was just like, yeah, I mean, I mean, otherwise, other than the obvious of, you know, he's looking for he's looking for a meal ticket somewhere. But I just it was it was just kind of baffling. Latham, what do you got? Well, I think you've given me my first things that give me fits after listening to you. So oh. I'm going to go with that for one of them. And that would be um, I, I really every new thing that's coming out is something that's a redo of something that's old. And it's, you know, I'm at the point where I I just don't want to hear anything rebooted anymore. I just want new stories, new product and, you know, new everything. And we're we're not going to get it because there's too much, too many people, especially, you know, boomers entering their late stages of life and Gen Xers like me, entering our fifties and mid fifties who are, you know, want, you know, they want saved by the bell to come back for a two hour movie and, you know, any interesting science fiction thing that was out in the seventies or eighties to be rebooted. And, you know, I'm just, I, I, I'm just tired of it, man. I just want new stories and that's what I gravitate towards. So listening to your news bits basically just gave me some fits. Cause it sounds like it's all. <laughs> <reboot. Yeah. laughs> Uh, yeah, Conan, Alien, you know, it's just, I mean, come on, guys, let's come up with something new. Well, I mean, these companies want to build off platforms that already exist for particular, you know, because it already there's already existing fan base. I, I understand. I just, I think there's creative people out there who 
are in a better position than I am to put put forth product to, you know, want to try something new. And I I know they realize that they're up against, you know, a giant. All these all these entities that already exist. That that just popped into my head right now. I had one good thing though too, oh. um, and that was uh, the show. I had no idea about until we put it on last night. Out of no, you know, I knew nothing about it, and then realized it was a remake of something uh, done earlier in the 2000s. Uh, this show, Utopia. Wow, have you, have you either of you guys seen this? What is it a remake of? You know what it's about. I do know what it's about, and it's 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 being showrun by Jillian uh, Flynn. But I'm Correct. but I'm what is it? What is it a? What is it developed from? Well, I believe it was a, a earlier show that was was a German in the early two thousands. Okay, all right. I, I, no, I didn't know that. I thought this. I thought this came out of her head. So, uh, I'm, I could be wrong, but let me check. Um, or we uh, yeah, I actually saw the commercials because we're actually watching a bunch of old. Uh, we stream a bunch of background TV during the day, and uh, obviously, between every episode, I get an Amazon Prime commercial, and my Prime commercials have been Utopia. So. Right. Um, yeah. So this was apparently uh, is a British TV series. Okay. Um, and it, I think it's based on the same. Wow. There's a lot. There's a lot of Utopia series. Obviously, it's a common name. Uh, but I think it was based on someone's comic book or someone's idea. And I, I just thought of you guys immediately when I, when I started watching, I'm like, Hassan and Steve would love this show. Uh, it's really, it just has a different feel to it. It's hard to get a unique feel to a new show and this one's got it. And it's got unique actors in it and John Cusack's in it of all supporting people, which is really strange. And yeah, uh, Rain, Rain, Rain Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Rain Wilson and, and the young cast is fantastic. So. Okay. That was that was a pleasure to see that this week. Yeah, it's on my list. Uh, how many episodes is it? Uh, I believe it's eight for the first eight or ten for the first season. Okay. Number. That's eh, pretty typical. All right. So, moving on to Dan's choice for film tonight. Interesting, strange choices, but Midsummer. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity, and I decided Look, to do it. I don't mind it. you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Babe, what's happening? Danny. Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! What do you think? It's like another world. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate, I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I was most excited for you to come. From 2019, directed by Ari Aster, with a running time of, depending on which version you saw, 148 or 171 minutes. Jeez. Fuck. I don't know which version I saw. <laughs> oh, I think, I, think, I think you'd know. Uh, 
the, the longer well, one is the director's cut. Yeah, the well, clearly the, the whatever cut. Yeah, the director's cut is uh, so, you know, uh, far more difficult to run across accidentally. Let's put it that way. Um, the but the version that's streaming on Prime is the regular version. I saw the two hours. Yeah. So, uh, I actually forgot to write a synopsis for this, but that's fine. Oh, can I do it? Can I do a synopsis? No, you yeah. can't. Because I, <laughs> if you if you've got you know what? No, Latham. Yes, you do a synopsis. Uh oh. A girl <laughs> having emotional problems goes to a, shall we say cultish uh, i can't do it it's going to be too biased i'll go ahead <laughs> <laughs> do it. I can't do it. i'll do it are you guys ready yeah yeah Dan, go a couple travels to sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled midsummer festival what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly develops into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult i just made that up that's how i am you, you made that up straight off IMDb. Fantastic. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the question. Better than ours. So, so the question is, Dan, yeah. why, why Midsummer? Uh, I like that director. I think he's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so I saw it and it's, I, I just like the fact that he's making these very unusual um, horror movies, you know, and, and would we say her hereditary, sorry, uh, brilliant film. I mean that I haven't, you know, I have to say, arguably, I like that film a little bit more than um, Midsummer, but Midsummer is a little bit more recent. So I thought we could talk about it. Did you already do one uh, on, on his? I forget what his first film was. Hereditary, Hereditary was. His, wasn't it? Yeah, Hereditary yeah. was his first film. His first full film. Yeah, the rest yes. are all like little shorts. Yeah. So yeah, he he essentially put Midsummer into into production as soon as Hereditary was was finished. Did you guys but, see um, his first his first like student film? No, I've not. I've only seen the two main films. Very. I mean, the guy's constantly uh, doing weird. It's called the strange thing about the Johnsons. And yeah. It's a. It's definitely a strange movie. It's it catches you off guard and it's very arresting and alarming and un- unsettling. I mean, I thought about that one for a couple of days after seeing it. And, uh, and you keep asking yourself, um, you know, as a, he got a lot of flack for it as a, as a, as a white director depicting this black family. And it's, it's just a, it's a very controversial subject. Um, okay. Nationality, let alone a, a white director choosing a, a, you know, a black family to do. It's just very odd. He's a very strange guy. It's a good, it's a good short film. I can see why he's, he's continued, but um, very interesting guy. Pretty young too. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm as you well know, I'm I'm a big horror guy, uh, and I had Midsummer's been on my list ever since it came out. I I enjoyed Hereditary a lot. I you know was fully expecting to you know when I, the 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 what I had heard of Midsummer before going in and when it came out and from from friends of mine who had seen it was was pretty mixed. Mm-hmm. But yeah. mostly, you know, leaning toward, and I and I kind of expected that with it. You know, I got I got a little bit of that same feel with from Hereditary. Uh, especially with the ending. And so, so going into this, I had not watched it. So this was, this was fun. Cause I had really? not actually, awesome. I had not seen the movie yet. So uh, this was my. Did you judge me a lot, Steve? Did you go, Oh, Dan? No, 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 no. There are, you know, same as you, I feel hereditary is actually a stronger film put together. I think, I think that this movie is a little overindulgent. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, for, and we can talk about it more as we get into it, but I think that, there are whole portions of this that I don't think that he justified 
having in the film. I think that there's, I think that this would make a super tight 90, maybe 95 minute film. And I think, you know, I love the whole opening sequence, how it sets up her and her family and everything else. I think yeah, that's a little bit long. I sure. think that that whole beginning setup is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that, that whole thing, while an emotional roller coaster to, to, to kind of, you know, set you up for, you know, to, to maybe try and, you know, quote unquote, pierce your armor to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit about her character and to show you where her pain is coming from. I don't think you needed to go as yeah, in depth as he did. I agree. And then you have, I mean, they're, they're doing that. You're discovering why she's a, a perfect victim or, you know, uh, what is it? A May, the May the princess. May queen. Maiden, um, and why her boyfriend is, you know, behaves the way he does, you know, he kind of sympathize with him perhaps a little bit um, on some level. If he's just a, a guy in college and he's like, man, this girl's coming with a lot of baggage already. And I, you know, I don't know if I want to stay in a relationship with her. And now I'm on this, this trip with her. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting psychological study in that way. Yeah. I mean, and they, and that's the thing, they make all that super clear even before the tragedy takes place that, yeah. you know, that, you know, his friends are like, dude, you got to dump her, you know? And then of course this happens and he's in a position of, well, shit, I can't, I can't do it now. I mean, her whole family just got killed, you know, it's yeah. like, it's a terrible position to be in, but you know, I, again, I, I feel like, I guess one of my larger concerns with the movie was there was there was a whole a whole portion of once they get to where they're going and you kind of get into the the meat of the story. And listen, uh, if anyone listening who's seen Hereditary and understands how this director works, these are these are slow burns, man. These are you you get he wants you to sit and get invested and be involved with these characters, and he doesn't really pay a lot of this stuff off until the very end yeah which is why i like them as a director i, I like a, i mean I, I don't know i like longer movies that kind of take their time mm-hmm. so. and i and again i have no problem with any of this uh my problem here is and 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 this kind of film this this film that deals with uh you know city mouse country mouse you know the the, the country people going into this this sort of like uh, pagan cult group whether they know it or not you know that you know, the, the most, the easiest film to reference this to obviously is the wicker man, but you know, there is there, Deirdre pointed out Deirdre's my girlfriend, Dana, if you know her or not, uh, or had a chance to meet her, but, uh, she, she pointed out something about this film, which made a lot of sense to me. So the, one of the things that kind of bothered her about it was she doesn't like movies that, that go down this road of being involved. Like you said, like the people come into this strange situation in this sort of like pagan cult, whatever, but, you know, so there's all these rituals involved and that's what they're there for. They're there for this nine day festival that this guy has been touting as this amazing thing to experience and they get there. But the problem is, and I think she's right. They throw all these rituals out there. They throw you know, the, the, the couple in the cliff and the other thing. And they, you know, they kind of spring that on them, you know, without really giving them a heads up or of kind of what's coming or any, but they kind of spring that on the viewer as well. They don't ever explain the full circle of their ritual process. So you don't ever really understand why at any point, any of these things are happening in context with what they're trying to do 
which I kind of like. I, I mean, that's that's the part I like. It's like you, you, okay. you, it keeps you guessing, and you're like wondering, like, well, are they doing it because, you know, they kind of explain that, that was it seventy three years? Is that what they said? Ninety years. Is it ninety yeah, years? Every, everything's built around nines. Oh, 90. Yeah. So, but but I thought these life cycles had like nobody lived past a certain time, and that's why seventy seventy two. Yes. Okay. So, I thought that had something, you know, obviously to do with their um, immortal selves or whatever. Like the, it was just a very interesting. It just it just leaves you wondering and guessing and coming up with your own answers. Right. You know, and, and listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the ambiguous filmmaker, the filmmaker who doesn't have to explain everything to me. Mm-hmm. But I also don't like that. I don't like it when they give you so little that yeah. I feel like an idiot watching it because I feel like I've completely missed the boat on watching something and I totally didn't get what I was supposed to be getting. Uh-huh. So and that that's that's really my only knock on this or one of my main my mainly knock on this movie is I is I at the end of the day I feel like whatever he was really trying to have me understand I I didn't and I I feel like I missed the the idea behind it mm-hmm. and you know I again love the visuals you know I I think that he does he does things with the camera and you know hit the little dream sequence that that takes place with her I think is really cool I love the I love the symbolism involved with that there's that's a couple that's... of soup there's a couple of super cringy moments in it where you're just like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and not the obvious gory ones. Cause gore I'm fine with, I don't have a problem with that, but there are just certain things that popped in there that you're just like, Whoa, Holy, Holy shit. You know, you know, it's like, you know, when she has the flash and there's just a flash on the screen and there's bodies on the rocks and her sister with the hose in her mouth, you know, leaned up in the same, in the same frame. And you're like, wait, what? And then it's gone again. And you're like, wait, what was that? Yeah. So there's a lot of cool visual stuff in the movie, but I just, I, I just, I don't like feeling like I'm not in on the, the, you know, not the joke, but not in on the story. And that, that's really my biggest problem. And I don't consider myself an idiot or, you know, a dummy who's not getting it. And as I said, I don't mind an ambiguous movie or an ambiguous ending, but I feel like that this one is just missing some key pieces to being a more successful story in, in as a whole. Would, on a side note, did you see uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things? Oh, no, no, I have not. The Kaufman film. Oh, that's, that's not, pretty, not yet. It's a pretty interesting. I, I mean, I like that film a lot. And it, it, there's a lot of uh, things that you can, a lot of conclusions you can leap to. And you know, it's very open to interpretation. Right. And even though it's, it's based on a book, and I, I'm sure it's been analyzed you know, from. <laughs> I have no doubt. So, uh, since I have some sense of of where we're going with this with Latham, I'm going actually going to have Hassan go next because Hassan, <laughs> like myself, had not seen this film. Oh, so well, uh, I want to hear this. I'm good. Yeah. Oh boy, Hassan. Are we all going to be friends after this, or is this going to be like I get blocked? Of course we are. All right. I don't think you're going to like us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It, uh, there's a lot that can be said about this film. If you, depending on the way you decide to look at it, mm-hmm. there is a. If you if you if you don't take the story for granted, if you don't take the uh, the events in the story as uh, literal, then you could say that this story is an allegory for uh, severe trauma, you know, and grief. There is, and I'm on a. I'll be slightly personal about it. There is a, a period after a traumatic event where your 
sense of reality is so surrealistic and uh, so detached that a lot of the events in the movie could be allegorious of, and I mean, the, 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 the main character did suffer what I would categorize as a severe traumatic uh, event in the very beginning. I don't think anyone would argue that. Yeah, if you if you take out the fantasy element of going to a foreign country and being given hallucinogens until the point where you burn everybody <laughs> you know to death, that's one does. You you could actually say that 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 all of this theoretically is in her head, and mm-hmm. that she is in this in a in a state of like severe detachment, and she her her brain is is fabricating all of that you know to to cling to some kind of sanity as she is you know as she's entertaining all kinds of notions. And that's kind of what happens. And then, you know, what does tend to happen, this is why grieving people are great targets for, for cults and, yeah. and things like that. It's because you're, you're looking for any sense of uh, belonging to anything, especially when your foundation's been kind of wrecked, you know, as, as it was, you know. You know, it could, the, the main character could be crazy from the point of her phone call to her boyfriend you know, and, and throughout the rest of the movie, that could that could have been that when he picks up the phone and she's screaming on the other end of the phone could be a, could, could have been our last moment of reality in the film. And then the rest of it takes place in her mind, wherever she may have ended up, whether she's in a, you know, an asylum or whatever. If you look at it that way. It's a very interesting. Yeah, I hadn't. If, if it's a very interesting. That's that's what it affected me right away. It's funny you bring that up because I actually thought almost that exact same thing, but it wasn't from the point of the phone call. It was from the point. It was from the point where she got that unknown message that the call from, from whatever the caller says unknown. No, it was, it was just after the, the, the period with the boy, when the boyfriend is shown comforting her the first time, but it was, it's a similar thought did cross my mind at that point. It's like, I wonder if everything after this is just not real. Right, but then I just sort of looked. I didn't. I didn't continue down that path. As it, as a movie continues on, it keeps giving you evidence that no, this is really happening. This is you know, right. it keeps reinforcing itself, which I think is. I don't know if I call it a weakness. You know that that's just a personal opinion. I think it's a, the weakness of the film is is that it that it kind of at the end it throws away its ambiguity and it just says no, this is happening. You know, everybody's being burned to death, and you know, and it's. It kind of was to me. It was more effective when it when there was a WTH, you know, through the entire film. Like it's what the you know what is you know because, and here's how I judge horror movies. It's why I don't you know we've we've had this discussion. You guys have horror shamed me in the past. Um, <laughs> uh, this is this is my uh, attitude about horror movies, right or wrong. And it's personal, so it's, it has nothing to do with the, the genre or the fans of the genre in, in and of itself. If I don't feel that this is something that would happen to me, it's not scary. You know? There are very, there are very few times when I've been in a horror situation where I'd be like, yeah, I would have got killed. You know? That's exactly what I would have done, and that's exactly what would have happened to me, and that's freaking terrifying. I don't think I don't think I could have been pulled off with, with Steve. I don't think Steve would have let that go down for some reason. <laughs> it's, the whole thing is like here. Steve would have burnt that village to the ground real quick. Steve with everybody while they were while they were asleep. Last man standing for sure. Yeah, a bullshit wooden hammer wouldn't have meant a thing. He would have been like, "What is it? What is this? What is this? What are you trying to do?" 
Come on, um, hippies, bring it on. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Get your dollar store mule near out of here. Oh my god, what yeah. a log line for the film. Bring it, hippies. <laughs> Midsummer, bring it, hippies. Midsummer too. Bring it, hippies. <laughs> Interesting. I'm very conscious about my surroundings. You know, I'm very conscious about where I am and, and, and scenarios like that where just you're just surrounded by strangers and you're being asked, you're constantly being asked to compromise your own, your own uh, ethics and your own, you know, sense of propriety or whatever. And then they're, they're constantly plying you with, you, you know, you're, it doesn't take, it only takes one time for it to happen for you to realize everything I drink here is laced with something, you know, everything I eat here is, you know, there's, there's some kind of a, a trippy otherworldness that happens every time I consume something. Right. And, and my, my issue with the story is like, okay, I would have been out of there long before the cliff, <laughs> right? But certainly after the cliff, you know, certainly right. there is like, okay, isn't that the Hitchcock part of it though? It's like, like there's, you're the one person that kind of sees what's going on. And even when you tell the sheriff, they're like, well, Mr. Smith seems like you need a vacation. Everything's fine. And you're in every, you know, the whole world's going crazy and nobody sees it, but you. I get that. And I, and I appreciate that, but none of them really did that. They all were like, well, I was kind of effed up, but let's see where this goes, you know? And it's, it's like, (laughs) no, Yeah. I mean, they're sitting at the table right after that. It's like, yeah, man, did you see the cliff thing? Yeah, yeah. They're all tripped out. They're, they're all definitely on drugs, so you, you might be a little bit more accepting of it. Or I Look, I have been... And the one guy's like, I can't believe you guys let me sleep through that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was digging it. And it, you're... you're I, and I don't... It's called a... Another movie coined it, but I think it's a military term, but I do not know for sure. It's called situational awareness, right? Yeah. And... Horror movies are, are based on characters having no situational awareness. Like this, do you do not understand that this situation like is getting commercial Hassan, which the Geico commercial, the one I, where they, they're being chased or, Oh, yeah. with the, yeah. with the, yes. The why don't we go, go hide in the garage with yeah. all the chainsaws yeah. or whatever. Why, and the girl's like, why don't we just get in the running car? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 that's a trap. You know, and That's situational awareness. Well, you know, what's funny about that commercial is I actually heard that commercial online the other day and I was wearing headphones. And again, the headphones give it away. And I've never heard this on any of the TV spots. And I because it's really quiet. But at the very end of that commercial, when they all get chased out of the garage and they're running away, they're like, let's head for the cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I just, and I, awareness. me personally, it takes me out of the narrative. Like that would not have happened to me. You know, this, I would not, I would have been killed. Like granted the couple that the English couple had tried to bail, right. Sort of disappeared, you know, at the, you know, so mm-hmm. granted I probably wouldn't have been allowed to leave, Yeah, they wouldn't, but, they wouldn't but to, but to be a willing participant in all that after a while that compromises my sympathy for the characters. And you, and, it, and you need that, you know, you need to be following these characters. You need to be somewhat sympathetic or, or identify in some way with these characters for the horror to work, you know, because then you've got to not want anything to happen to these particular people. You got to want to, you have to psychologically want them to get out of it or find, you know, outsmart the situation. Yes. And if you just have given up on them, like you guys are morons, you know, then right. the, the, the horror aspect of it doesn't work because I'm on my sofa. 
there's there are no Scandinavians trying to feed me flower water, you know, at home. So I'm not in danger. The danger is that I believe that you're in danger, and that's and 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 that I want what you want, and what you want is to continue to survive. If you at some point just throw away your sense of mortality for for more mushroom juice, you know, and and you know for it's. It just doesn't work on me. Now, I, as I said before, the way I was able to, to find an appreciation for the film is, as I said to myself, and it, I, I did genuinely get this impression in the beginning and throughout, and it still works throughout the whole thing. If you, if you throw away certain elements, it does work. If it's, an, if it's analogous of severe trauma and grief, and I mean, you can, it, it could be argued because there's a lot of hallucinogenics in it. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of surreality. There's a lot of fantasy elements in it where you could, you could say that none of this is reality. You know, this, this is, this is a extreme, this is a hyper reality kind of situation. It, the, the film is extremely fascinating, which is why I'm not going to say I hate the film, you know, right, but taken so, as, I'll take that. Sorry? I said, I'll take that. It's like, when? Hassan, let me ask you a question. Yeah. And I, and I know that I know, I know you're not a big fan of horror films, not nowhere, certainly nowhere the near the level I am. Uh, do you think that that, do you think that you approach all movies that way though? Do you think that while watching Saving Private Ryan, you, it draws you out of the movie because you don't identify with the possibility of dying during a, during a battle? No. Um, as I said, I appreciated the character's possibility of dying. And that's what, that's what draws me in. You know, if I, if I in some way can identify with the characters and they convey to me effectively that they're afraid of dying, then I become right. afraid for them. That's how the, right. that's how the horror element works okay. for me. Okay. So right. if characters kind of start, that's a lot of times like slasher films, which, which that a uh, Geico commercial kind of elaborates. They're, I, I think they're poorly written to the sense that the character has to be stupid in order to be in peril. And, and I think... Oh, I, without a doubt. I mean, that's one of the main horror tropes is that most of your characters are, are stupid. Yeah, and I think the more effective horror movies are when you have characters who are not stupid and oh, they're correct. still getting killed. You know, they're still, they're still losing their lives. I, my, one of my examples was... Um, I know what you did last summer. And it's not a great... You know, in my opinion it's not a groundbreaking anything um but the, the sequence where sarah michelle geller is trying to get away from the gordon's fisherman um <laughs> she the the scene is very elaborate in the length she's willing to go to get away from this particular thing you know this 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 uh this killer is relentless but she did there's never there's never a loss of fight in her character to, you know, no matter where she finds herself, she's, you know, she's breaking windows. She's, you know, she's climbing over things or whatever. And just as she's about to maybe get to a point of safety, she gets killed. That was, I found that highly effective. I'm like, okay, this girl wants to live. She wants to live. Therefore, I want her to live. Right? Okay. Versus someone who's like, hmm, what's in this basement? You know, I've been told, I've been hearing noises and everyone who's gone down in this basement for the last 40 minutes has not come back up. I'm just going to go down by myself instead of calling for help. Or the, after a while, like that trope stops working on me. Like in uh, Covenant, where Michael Fassbender shows Billy Crudup, uh, Nomi Rapace's dead body. Yeah. And, and, you know, all the experiments that he's running. And he goes, hey, I'd like to show you something. And creepily <laughs> walks off into the shadows. And Billy Crudup follows him. I'm like, 
Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, you're, I'm out. I'm out. You know, you're an idiot. I'm out. A lot of this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I think that there is enough nuance in this film where you can, it, it, it allows for you to look at it in various different ways. And so whereas it might not have worked for me as a horror film, it did work for me as analogous of, of several, you know, several different other forms of dementia of insane self-inflicted, you know, that the, 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 the processes that the brain goes through to try to contend with, uh, with, with grief. And, and that's where I was able to derive uh, a, a lot of entertainment out of it. All right. So one problem, one slight problem, the film is the fucking wicker man. All the way up to them burning them all in the barn. You know, it, it's <laughs> the same film, right? And I did not like The Wicker Man no. tremendously, especially the Nicolas Cage version, because I thought there's a hundred fucking opportunities for you to get off this island. And you're just going to, and you're going to brazen through all the way to the end of this story. And then when you get to the end of it, you find out, yeah, the whole town is fucked, which is basically what the audience was tipped off to the first 15 minutes of the film. By the time you caught up to where we were, you you had no answer for the problem that the trouble that you're in. Like it's like it, as soon as he realized, oh shit, the whole town is against me. He was out of tricks, you know. And and, and so you're. I wonder the effectiveness of the of the film because like okay, you have every opportunity to leave, and it's not like anybody's being ambiguous about maybe you should leave, you know. No, right. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't terribly easy to leave that place. I mean, they, they, it took a long way to get there. There's only certain... Yeah, you had to get on a plane and a, a, and a boat. and a, I mean, there was a lot, but I'm just saying, if he had been caught, if he had been chased oh, down oh, trying that, to leave... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, same thing. Yeah. But if he had been chased down trying to leave, I would have been with him, and then the film would have been effective. If, <laughs> if in, in Midsummer, it's kind of the same situation where... Yeah, a lot of this stuff is questionable from the moment, from the word go, you know? I, I'm, look, I've been a teenager. I've been young. Like, you know, being at a, at a party with half-naked women and someone's handing out all the hallucinogenics, hey, man, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a moron. I'm not getting out of line. Yeah, I'm not a moron. I would have I totally, but I mean, there would have been something niggling at the back of my head. Mm, you know, why do they keep giving me this stuff? You know, and why am I losing time? And why, you know, so. What is that giant building for? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, and they're like, they they said, oh, you can go anywhere you want unless we specifically say, but they're like, that that, and then you're like, oh, what's that building? That oh, don't worry about that one. And that one. And this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and then there's other stuff like the guys, like there's they're strict rules, right? We have rules here. You know, don't go near, don't, don't go near our equivalent of the Bible. So naturally, ah. Let me break into this room and try to, you know, and you get hit in the head with a hammer. That's what happens. Like, I don't. Yes. That's your yes. fault, dude. You know, like, they, you, you, were given, you were given specific instructions and you decided to go against it. Or at least look behind you, you know, while you're reading. <laughs> back up to the back and read the book. So the hammer guy's got to come at you, you know, and it's fine. <laughs> Face the door. And what's great about that is if you watch when he walks into that room, hammer guy is sitting in the room already. He walks oh, I didn't by. even notice that. He walks by him. Without, oh. without seeing him. 
right? Without seeing, he's, so he's sitting, sitting vigil he's, for the book. When he, when he walks into the into the lighted part of the room, when he passes, like you know, there's that sort of like outer area where mm-hmm. he where he turns to see his what he thinks is his friend. Yeah, who's wearing his friend's face. Right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. That was that was Ulf, the guy that that guy said that guy looks like he's going to kill me for pissing on the 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 tree of all their their dead ancestors. Oh, that was another that was awesome. thing too. Yeah, I'm just going to whip it out and piss all over. Yeah, them. but look, That's hey man, good. you're going to have you a whole bunch of have strangers. that guy. You always got to have that guy in a group. But you're going to have a whole bunch of strangers in your midst and not tell them the rules and then keep giving them hallucinogens. Yeah, some of them are going to do some stupid shit. You know, you got to you got to be a little so, tolerant, crazy so want- pagans. <laughs> I want to uh, I want to get into Latham's uh, breakdown of this like for it. sure. So, but bottom line is, I I did enjoy it. Uh, I, it didn't work for me as a horror movie, but it does work as a very interesting film in and of itself. And so, and I, and I do like that take because uh, out of all the things I've read up on on, on and about this movie, uh, that actually is one I've not heard before or I had not seen before. So I don't know if it's either something that people didn't really latch on to or just something that that maybe what is my own insanity. <laughs> well, there wasn't just something that was that common. I hate to so. say it, it could just be Hassan's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he hasn't been wrong in this podcast. Yeah, there you go. Already on episode third. It hasn't happened yet. All right, Lay. Hit me. Hilarious. I don't really need to make any points. You, you three made all the, almost all or most of my points, and they're all good ones. I think Ari Aster's going to make a great movie someday. I just don't think he's done it yet. I think he's made two movie, two good two thirds movies. That's that's how I view him at this point. With Hereditary, I really liked it until the last 20, 25 minutes, and then it, it just lost me and blew it. This movie probably lost me before that, but there's a lot of good setup. Um, it Visually, it looks great, like Steve said. It, it, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous to look at at times. I think the problem, the main problem I have is when you introduce in a horror movie or any movie – evil for evil's sake and and the evil has no impetus or reason for why it's doing the evil things it's doing and that you know like steve said he didn't understand why this stuff was happening and and you know what i really didn't either i don't understand the correlation from the whole long beginning of the movie to what happens at this camp now if you go down the road of grief and extreme trauma sure that makes sense Mm -hmm. but as but if, if it's really happening, the correlation is, I think, is very weak. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't root for any of the characters. I really, I mean, I, I call this like a millennial horror movie. I just didn't care about any <laughs> of the, of the you know, people that were in danger from the beginning. I just didn't, I couldn't, even the girl, I just didn't really want to root for her. And you know, they introduced at the beginning that the guy's going to break up with her or was going to break up with her. And that just puts this like dour mood on everything, but not in a good way to where that made me more invested. That bothered me. A little detail point that really bothers me is... Wait, hold, hold on. When, when, yeah, go ahead, Hassan. Sorry. Um, and, I, and I say this to compliment what you're saying. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, strange, there's a strange dynamic in, in, in introduced in it because... The girl is basically described as neurotic, you know, as problematic for her boyfriend. Yeah, totally. But then all her fears are justified in that opening scene. I mean, something, right. something genuinely bad did happen to her. 
Right. So why would they continue with that? Yeah, that's like you you created a trope that you can never pay off. So or you paid off immediately. Why why would you go down that? Yeah, what, why would you make her an unlikable character for us to follow for the rest of the? If she's proven right, yeah, something is wrong. I'm neurotic for a reason because my there there are there are elements that I am either uh, fully aware of, only psychologically aware of, that are dangerous in my my, my circle of my in my family. There's a there's a danger element in there that I am that I am hardwired to be worried about. And that's turned me into a neurotic person, right? But then they justify it because there's a right. fucking horrendous murder suicide, you know. So then, but but the way the, the the film is the film is put together, you know, she's still a, a unreliable narrator. You know, they they've still cast doubt on her as as our main focus because of those things. As as Latham was saying, and I apologize for for jumping in. I just wanted to say it before I forgot about it. No, that's a great point. And that, and that's exactly where I would go next is you just, it, it's almost like, you know, I don't want to, you know, relent to this, to what I say a lot, but I mean, this needed, this needed a rewrite and that they're just, you know, when we get towards the end, when you're just trying to, to show me completely ridiculously gory deaths for people like the guy with his lungs and stuff, I mean, that should shock me. And that should bother me. And instead, I just went, ah, come on. Just put him in the barn and burn them all. I didn't even, I knew, you know, I knew. I knew how it was going to end. And that just, that, that tells me you're not doing a good job. The, the re, here's the detail that really bothered me. And maybe I'm picky. Right before the cliff scene, when they're in their, uh, wherever they're staying, the, the big, uh, uh, I don't even know what the word it would be. They're the the bunk bed where all the beds are. The one guy knows what's going to happen at the cliff. He knows. And he tells them, he's like, oh, you don't know what you're in for or something to that effect. And then he doesn't tell them. And I'm just like, you would never do that if that was a friend of yours. You would not hide the fact that two people are going to kill themselves by throwing right. themselves down off a cliff onto a fucking rock, okay? Is it possible, and, though, that um, since that guy grew up in that cult his entire life, his, his social uh, mores are a little different than, than ours? That would be an explanation. That would be, that. yeah, that would be an explanation. But I think that's for the, that's a mistake in writing. Yeah. You just eliminate that scene, Jer, that, that bit of dialogue. Just take it out of there. Then you don't have that mistake. You're actually 100% correct because it's not just Pele who knows that because he's the one who makes the comment about the actual term, which I had looked up earlier and actually is a, is a thing. And when he says it, Josh, the guy doing his thesis on the, on the, on the group, actually says, but that's just a myth, right? So he clearly knew as well. It wasn't just correct. Pele. Josh knew what was coming or, or at least some version of what was coming as well. And once he got to the point at which things were going to, people were going to start falling out of the goddamn sky. That should have been a clue right there to have been like, Oh shit, this, this is no bullshit. It's going to happen. So Latham, your point is a hundred percent correct because there were two people in the room who knew that was going to happen. Not just Pele, the guy who had been there, but Josh knew as well. And plus, I mean, they know the state of this girl. 
And, you know, they dragged her on this trip after knowing everything that's happened to her. Uh, you know, they know she's had already severe trauma. Guess what? We're going to get you again. We're going to traumatize you again. And we're not going to warn you about it. We're going to let you experience more trauma by watching something awful. And I, I just, when I saw that, I put my hand on my head. I'm like, that is a, you wrote that to shock the audience, but you didn't think about how it doesn't make sense with the characters you have there. And that really right. bothered me. And that's where the movie, I mean, I don't hate this movie either. I think it's, there's a lot of good stuff in it. The first two thirds is, is, is pretty good, except for that. And, you know, there's interesting parts. But I think, again, at the end, he's just like, oh, well, we got to end this somehow. Let's kill everybody. Burn them all. And I, I just, I, I, you know, why are, these, why are you killing everybody? What's the point? Okay. Are we going to just, just bag on pagans being murderous <laughs> assholes throughout history? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know. I, I it, lo it lost me there, and I I don't like I said this guy he, Ari Aster he's a good director he's going to make a great movie someday and I'm excited to see that great movie when he finally does it. Yeah, I think I think that this movie devolves unfortunately into a series of really cool scenes and images that are never really all brought together. You know, There's you have no correlation. You, There's no right. correlation. You have nothing. You have nothing, and this ties back into my not understanding what the core idea behind their cyclical process or their cyclical ritual actually is about. And that's where I think that, that where all this does, you know, if they'd have spent another five, 10 minutes giving you a little more information about the actual whole story. I mean, they, I mean, and, and literally every, every major thing other than the, the old people coming off the cliff that happens in this movie is telegraphed. If you're paying attention oh, yeah. by someone seeing a tapestry or someone watching, looking at, those, looking those at a, uh, paintings on walls, yeah, you know, it's all right there in front of you. It's all coming, but you just, you know, you don't, you know, it's not until the end that you go back and put it all together, which is, I understand that what he's doing, but it's like, you know, the whole sequence where that where the girl, uh, Connie and Simon are walking past the tapestry and it's showing how the woman, uh, you know, yeah. ensorcels the man who she has fallen in love with. And then you see it all unfolding in front of you and you're just like, oh, OK, so they just basically gave us all that 20 minutes ago. So, all right. Not only that, but to your to your other point, it does. It's too long, you know? Yeah. Like there's the well, slow after, burn. he's a slow burn director. Yeah, that's fine. That and that's fine. But after a while, the effectiveness of them being confused is ineffective. Like it doesn't right. matter. Yes. Even if yes. you're confused, your brain is going to come to its own determination. I need yeah. to be away from you know. I need to you know whatever it is. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to come to my own conclusion that this is not a safe place for me. <laughs> you can't sustain that level of that level of there's a, there's a point of fatigue that you're going to get to when it comes to the buildup of suspense. And you at, at the, at the point at which you've built someone up to suspense, you have to either keep elevating to maintain it, or you have to back off and let them, you know, sort of relevel again so that you can build them back up again. And I think that it, it too often in a film like this, they, they give you these sort of, almost like stops on a station line, but it's never enough to, you know, and I think that they're trying to almost, it's almost like someone trying to maintain their buzz. It's like they're keep drinking throughout the course of an evening, trying to maintain a certain level of, you know, and in this case, they're trying to keep you at a, a level of suspense 
sort of at this midpoint. And I don't think, I don't think, I think, I think that people will fatigue out of it. And like you said, if you don't realize it and then do something else to, to bring you back up again, when you finally get to the point where the really bad shit happens, it's either a, just a straight shock to the system or it doesn't pay off because it, it, again, you can't correlate it back to all the other time you've spent building up to that point. Well, that's it, why horror movies are usually the most effective ones are shorter. It's right. extremely difficult to have a, I mean, what's the best long horror movie you've ever seen? Uh, I mean, hmm. the exorcist, maybe I can't, I'm trying to think of something that is like that long. Shining. Shining. Right. Yeah. Shining. That's a great, yeah, great choice. Yeah. And this does it for a while. It just, right. I think it just peters out. It just right. eventually you got, you got too much. If, if, if you create that long period, that slow burn suspense, you better have a real long payoff that gets you. And I don't, I, you know, I don't well, think you it really love Danish people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, I mean, Swedish Dan. I oh. mean, the fact that they were all going to be killed is almost like a foregone conclusion. That's the problem. Like the movie doesn't really right. offer any right. surprises. You know, these yes. people are going to apply you with with drugs and then sacrifice you to some god to something right? it, you know to, uh, i'll tell you two movies that do this uh, handle this much more successfully if 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 you're at all interested uh and they're both on netflix uh because they're both netflix productions there's one called the ritual uh about four four guys backpacking and uh there's another one called apostle with uh the guy who was the lead in um legion on fx yep, i heard about it uh both excellent versions of city people running into the the paganized uh situation but uh and both shorter but both both are excellent i'm gonna watch watch those um did you guys see that movie um sorry to break topic but uh it's also a netflix film with uh pattinson in it not in the whole film but uh it's it's something about like uh the devil inside it was oh the devil the the new uh, oh the new one with tom holland I think it's, it's the devil all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Tom Holland movie. I just saw that. That was an interesting film. Um, I have not, I've not watched it yet. Oh. I heard it's good. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked it. I like this one a little bit more. I don't want to, but I want to, I, I know we got a little bit more time and I want to stay on your good side. So. <laughs> My, well, well, that's all right, because uh, important that you like it. That's what matters. To I mean, us. Right. You know, and that's, you know, that's, you know, that's, but no, like, you know what? I do appreciate the, uh, I didn't look at it in in terms of you know your three perspectives. I think I really appreciate that. That's kind of you know those are all things to consider. It's a movie for people to. I mean, I'd recommend people to watch it. I would not recommend it. I just I I just think he's I, I I'm excited to see what he does next. Yeah, I, you know what I really like when I'm watching a film. I like I like the the feeling it it gives you. Like the like if you're watching The Shining. Not not a whole whole lot is happening, but that tr- that transportation, that place it takes you, like you're in that you're in that hotel, mm-hmm. you're you're, in, you're transported into a different place where where reality is is bent just a little bit, like you're not you're not surrounded, you know, with with what you typically know. So I don't know. It just I like I like being transported. I like that it was a little bit on the long side. I like that it took its time and it's, it's taking you know I've never been in a 
Swedish cult before. It's just it's a new, it's a new adventure. For, for me. I think you're lying and trying to get us to join your cult right now, Dan. <laughs> you think, you think I, I don't do believe it? you. I could coerce. I I I have some coercion uh, abilities. Maybe I could. It looks like it's only daylight where you're at, and we're all at night, so something's already up. That's right. He lives in the land of the midnight sun. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I just looked up what he's doing next, and he has said his next movie is going to be a four-hour-long nightmare comedy. Rom-com? Great. Okay. Good luck. I think it's. I think the the uh, an interesting point you made, laying out. This is the last thing I'll go, I'll go into before we jump into our our guilty pleasure film. But uh, yeah. they, uh, I thought it interesting the statement you made about Hereditary, where you enjoyed it up until the last twenty minutes, and and at that, I think it's the same point. But for me, that twenty minute mark was where that movie became excellent mm-hmm. for me because you that's like all the headless people in the fucking treehouse. Yeah. And, 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 and the, and the, the, the fact that when, you know, we've all seen this, correct. We've all seen hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You haven't, you haven't no. seen it. Oh, sorry. Hassan. Oh, there's a, there's a scene. I won't, I won't go into detail, but there's a scene. There's a scene, which is, I feel is the, basically the turning point to the movie is when, is when, you know, the, the kid gets knocked out. And when he wakes back up in his bedroom and there's that away shot that Eric, that he likes of that, of that big open room shot where you get everything floor to ceiling yeah. and he gets up and he sits up in his bed and he, he stands up and he walks out of the room, but there's something in that scene that if you miss it, you don't think that there's anything going on, but there's something. What is it? I, oh, I don't want to say it. Don't all, for I don't want to ruin it for a song. But anyway, well, because it's the same guy who was standing in the hut in Midsummer. Is he in that room? He's no, ahead. I can't hear no. you now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, but it's with the the. It's when he when his mother is on the ceiling yeah. above the bed. Oh, yeah. He's okay. all in shadow. And yeah. if it's if you don't notice it right away, it's a freaky fucking visual, man. Yeah. yeah. You just think you're just watching that. him wake up, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait, what the. Yeah, it's a straight film up until that. I mean, it's a weird film even yeah. at that point. But no, and, and it, it's a that's no a really slow build up until that point. Right, right, and correct. Then it becomes supernatural, and that's where it lost me. You see, and that's where it got me. That's where I. That's where it turned into a movie that I absolutely that I liked a lot more because I was like up until thought, that. I would have been like, "It's time to leave this fucking house." Mom is up in the corner. Okay, because, because up until that point. Up until that point, it wasn't a horror film. I'm like, I don't understand. It's a dark, it's a dark family drama. I don't really understand how the people whole, are considering this a horror film. Was, was lit like like Steve's house right now. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's that little figure you have behind you that we yes. see on our screens. It looks like someone is coming down one of your a hallway in your. That house. must be like a DVD. Box. Oh yeah. yeah. And it bothers me. It bothers me. And I've wanted to say something about it in other weeks. And I felt afraid to, but now I'm telling you, it bothers me, this thing. Yeah, oh. that's better. Now I know it's not some dude walking in a hallway. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for it to move at some point. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's the engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that an engineer? That's an engineer. <laughs> but it looks like he's coming down the hallway. And you're right. That's funny. I never noticed that before. That's how that was looking. I noticed that right off the bat. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> So, uh, you know what, guys? I really appreciated that. That was kind of cool um, because uh, I've never. I guess you guys get into this. I didn't uh, 
I haven't seen some of the other episodes or listened to them rather, but it's really cool to hear, hear all the stuff dissected in those ways. It's pretty awesome. We try. I mean, we're just, Hey, listen, at the end of the day, uh, it's just one dumb guy and his buddies uh, trying to look at movies <laughs> and you know, I am I'm, not dumb and I'm <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, see, I was going to say one dumb guy and his dumb brother. <laughs> okay. I would have just said, just, I didn't just... want to say, I didn't want to speak for you guys and say three dumb guys. Look at no, There's enough dumb to go around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, so uh, so to uh, to accelerate things here, let's jump into the poster files uh, and uh, just go through those real fast. Uh, no, so we don't look at poster files, Steve. Yes, we do. And you and we have to go to a certain place to do it. Like you can't just look at posters. Where's that? Down the tubes. And again, the Internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you always upset, man? <laughs> no, no, it's just, I'm just playing to the crowd, man. I'm, I know. I'm, the, I'm the woman flying down the staircase. Oh, right. boy. There we go. There we go. So we'll, we'll start with the Midsummer posters. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Holy. So, okay. Interact. So opening up with uh, U.S. Teaser A. Uh, again, this was the, uh, you know, just saying coming this summer. Nice and generic. Nice gives you a taste of what you're, you know, what you're in for. With that's abs- a great poster. Yeah, it gives Except you. Except for one thing is is bad, and that's the low grade production company in the lower right that always touts that it has awesome movies and always lets you down. But otherwise, it's a great poster. All right, all right so you're complaining about a twenty four? Oh yeah, oh yeah, all right. No. Don't get wow. me started on a twenty four. Let's talk about a twenty four. It's it's a. Uh, you like the witch? I did. love the fucking witch. I did love that movie. That's a great movie. Yep. <laughs> I love the witch. I love the second film. Poster. I love the second film they produced called Free Fire. I love like uh, it comes at night with that horrible payoff at the end. I have not seen it comes at night. No. Oh, you should watch it. You'll love it. I've been told I'll hate it, but okay. <laughs> Okay, so then after this, we get the, this is the U.S. advanced version, but this image and this poster is essentially, the role, this, is the, this is the image used for all, all domestic promotions and marketing for the film, and a lot of the international as well. They just Which kind one of, are we on, Steve? I'm sorry, are we on two? Uh, yeah, yeah, U.S. Yeah, advanced. That's a great one, too. And this is what they stuck with. They, they kept things pretty simple. He rolled this out to most of the foreign markets with this, uh, with just this simple, not even a credit block in most cases, just a real simple, you know, the, the, the next, uh, this was the UK advance poster, which obviously, you know, lets on a lot more. This is number three. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, again, it doesn't I, I tell you anything way too much. And the other ones are perfectly balanced. I, well, plus yeah. the fact that his head is bowed so low, he almost looks headless. And so it's like, <laughs> you're like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> no, they're just trying to remind you that awful ending of uh, Hereditary, I think, there. Okay. Well, that was actually the middle, but yeah. Ah, whatever. <laughs> so next is the Italian poster. Okay, let me see here. The same as the first person, except the the two foreground characters. Are correct, out. correct. It's to say this is you know they used a, they had a very a very limited number of images that they that they used to produce most of their promotion materials, uh, and they just kept it simple. He really just likes to you know he doesn't do a lot 
a lot into this. Uh, and if you looked at the next one, which is the first poster for South Korea, it's, essentially, it's essentially the same image, just with color. Yeah, it's, uh, it's badass. That's a badass poster. Oops, is it not uh, coming through there? These posters are great so far. And I, then uh, the second South Korean poster. You see here. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool, too. It's a nice graphic. Yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, that's... Oh, God. I haven't seen these before, Stephen. So I'm just looking at them now. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. I like these. Um, so next is uh, the first one by a uh, by uh, of our artist posters is by a, <laughs> a guy who goes by the name of Ahmad, and I don't know if you know this poster. Yeah, but this, this is an awesome. absolute. It's an absolute homage of, uh, of one of the posters for Wizard of Oz. It's, uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. That's insanely good. It's really <laughs> the lower left thing. Ah, it's just great. Yeah. All these posters are better than the movie. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, man. This is nice, too. This next one. Andrew Sebastian Kwan. Jesus. Don't get ahead of the, the class. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard for Danny. He, 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 wants, he wants to be ahead of the curve. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to keep the, uh, the artist in check. That's yeah. a good one. This reminds me of uh, Annihilation. Yeah, there are, a, exactly. there are a number of these that will simply because of the number of flowers involved with a, some of the with some of these images. So there is a little because whenever you get whenever you get to trippy to trippy hallucinogens, you, things all start to take its own. There you go. Things wow, take on the same imagery. They start to mutate. Next is an image by Arden Avit. It's a lot of work. Wow. Done tapestry style. That's not really a movie poster. Did he sew it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> not no, it is so. not is this a carpet in his house. Yes, it's a carpet oh, in his house. All right, really? No. Oh, stop. <laughs> so, next is a next is a piece I found completely completely oh, wow. stumbled into this by an artist <laughs> named by an artist named Bowen McCurdy. I included I I included this simply because if there was ever a graphic novel done for this film, I would want this this girl to do it. Oh, and I, yeah. and I want it drawn yeah, in this style. Great. It's great. I just love this. I love this image. Really cool. Hilarious. That's really strong. Uh, Next is Fernando Reza. Pretty cool. It's a a little hard to see, but you can see the the, exactly her face is in there. Yeah, I see her face. I didn't catch. I didn't catch it. Yeah, I didn't catch it the first time. But I, 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 that's you know, there's. Again, there were a lot of these, and uh, I curated it down to a bunch that I thought were were solid. Uh, oh, this one's out of order, but it's this is the German teaser, which I don't really, un- which I don't one hundred percent understand because this doesn't really actually take place in the film. No, but it's it's really it, it's not showing too much. I, I like it. I right, think it's cool. It's the full tear faced image, but with that, with the addition of that blood to the side of her head. You're watching a horror movie. Baby. It definitely tells you something's going to happen. Uh, so this next one is by Greg Ruth, and it oh, is, it's a cute bear. It is not upside down. Rub his tummy. Yeah, it's, that's annihilation. Yes, yeah. There, there are a few that are going to, including the bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, even the bear. But Dan, have you they seen take annihilation place in the same universe? Oh. Did you know that? Both directors were interviewed, and they and they said that they take place in the exact same universe. Wow! What are you talking about? I'm completely <laughs> kidding. <laughs> right. So next is Handy Kara. Wow! 
dude. Oh, that's nice. That, that's cool. really cool, man. These these are great. That's there's a lot of there's a lot of great imagery uh, that goes along with this with this movie, and and there's a lot of just there's a lot of fun directions that artists are, can take their stuff. So I mean, it's you know some can do like Arden Avitz like sort of tapestry riff as well as you know. No, it's brilliant. These are brilliant covers for the most part. I mean, uh, posters rather. Uh, next is Jay Torres, a little bit more graphical, mm-hmm. yet still keeping in with that uh, that sort of old. Spoilery though, a little bit barely. Well, once you see the building, you're like, yeah. okay, that fucker's going to be lit on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I hate to be an art critic, but on this one, I would say I, I might not necessarily, it might not be as effective as some of the other ones as far as making you want to see the film. Right. That's a good point. But it's still wonderfully done. It's not, it's, this guy will be the one guy who watches this and sees it. And then that's for the rest of my life. Well, no, don't worry. I've alienated everyone by this point. So Okay, good. All right. It's still well done. It's just, you know. Next is a, a piece by Katrin. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I like the uh, eyeball there. Yeah. That's like the Cyclopean bear. I'm not sure what's going on there, but yeah, uh, I don't like this. But again, it's got another. It's got a, a bit more of an annihilation-y feel. What I like about this one, I like. I mean, I like the majority of these. What I like about this one is, I I can legitimately say I've never seen anything like it. So, uh, it's it's so peculiar. The colors are not what you not what you're used to for a horror film, and mm-hmm. you know, so the, for, for the most part, all these posters have that. They're like, this is not your standard horror film. Right. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, next is Lisa Butchlink. Uh-huh. That's great. That's a great one. Just a Not nice... the most flattering um, portrait of this actress, but uh, I guess that's not the point, is it? <laughs> but it's a damn good bear, though. It's a hell of a bear. Yeah. Um, no, it's a hell of a graphic in general. And, yeah. And, and this isn't meant to be a you know a showcase for. Uh, the Florence girl, it's supposed to look alarming and, and supposed to, you know, like what's his head? Daniel Klaus is it's, it's kind of a, has that sort of feel to it. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, next is a poster by a guy who goes by the name midnight Marauder. This is actually one of the creepier ones. Midnight Marauder. This guy who paints like an old master has a name is lame is like urban barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's correct. <laughs> That's interesting to me. Like that's fascinating because this guy definitely has got some pretty good chops, and he's got like a goofy uh, nickname, like I do. No, well, it's funny. Like yeah, it's it. creepy as hell. Really well done. It has kind of a. Uh, I just started following um, Aaron Weisenfeld, who oh. who is kind of like a he was a comic book guy who just kind of transcended the medium, like James Jean, and he has kind of an Andrew Wyeth feel, and this kind of reminds me of of that. Oh. Wyatt in the Wyeth vein. Dan, what's your nickname? Uh, Urban Barbarian. Oh, Urban Barbarian. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was an insult an ex-girlfriend gave me, and I was like, you know what? I like that. Yeah, I'm going to keep it. Thanks. (laughs) So that part of that relationship was that nickname. It was was meant as an insult. So That's funny. That's that's really great. Uh, Next is a piece by Mickey Edge. We've seen his stuff before. This is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Different. Uh, yeah, I, I included this one for fun. 
Uh, I know, I know the, uh, the the son of the guy who created the original on this one. Oh, okay. He's a friend. He's a friend of mine on Facebook also. But I used to, <laughs> I used to work. I used to work at a company with him. That's uh, pretty designing, good. Designing toys for all the Burger King. Um, uh, oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, their their version of the Happy Meal or whatever. Yeah, so I just—I mean, for a while there, I designed all those toys for years. Wow, what a fun wow. process! That's kind of cool. Uh, next is Pablo Aranzo. This reminds me of sort of like a book cover, definitely. Yeah, and that's cool. I mean, I like it again. I, I love these it's annihilation again. These unusual colors for a horror movie. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it instantly tells you you're getting a different. I know you guys don't subscribe to this, but it's a, it has like. It says this is a more sophisticated film. Right. So. Right. Uh, next is Roman Stevens. Roman, this looks like it could be a graphic novel. Has yeah. that kind of feel to it. Definitely. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, next one is uh, Scott Saslow. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> it technically doesn't give anything away, but... <laughs> Yeah, but you yeah. know you're, you're, you know you're going to see something. I mean, she, she could be a, it could be about a stripper who likes to, you know, <laughs> dance on top of a structure. By her, almost, by her spleen. Almost, very close to Lee. Uh, uh, very close to Lee. Holy crap, what was that? But they were very, very closely achieved uh, subtlety. Yeah. And then, and then just and then like, so much. at the last minute, he <laughs> went off the rails. He's like, nah. F subtle. No, no, I'm giving you exactly <laughs> what you expect. So this one uh, goes by an artist who goes by the name, and Latham is going to love this. Uh, Sold my soul to King Paimon. Wait a minute, Jesus. that's the whole name. Uh, yes, uh, and King Paimon is the 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 entity that's uh, being worshipped at the end of Hereditary. And so this is the guy is an artist based entirely on the concept of hereditary he just is he just is that's a, that's the name and he's listed this artwork under wow well it's pretty well, cool it's a, a tremendous graphic <laughs> they should have done a better post yeah i really that's, that's, don't like this is my least favorite out of all of them i don't oh, like i kind of dig it that, that's such a creepy uh song yeah a trip to the moon yeah, yeah. <laughs> a trip trip to the sun okay <laughs> Uh, next is a piece by Soren Eiley. Cool. His, uh, his piece for our upcoming book is absolutely gorgeous. I can't wait to show it off. Cool. Pretty cool. No bragging. Yeah. <laughs> um, next is, uh, Stella Egris. Egris. I mean, this could be a, All this right. could be a, poster for the movie the bear too also <laughs> i mean it really you know it, you could just change the type the, the title on the bottom when i when i looked up this artist's page on poster spy she had um this was actually next to two other pieces she did that were very similar in uh she had done what hassan what was a like someone banged a piano Wait, yeah, that was very <laughs> Hold on. you mean this yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a spring on my uh, mic stand. Did you tap it? Yeah, I hit it with my, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's a little bit too much into the ninth <laughs> gate, if you know what I mean. Dum, dum, dum. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. She had a couple other pieces that were laid out this way with the uh, the protagonist in front and the antagonist behind oh. them. So she had she had which done one for Pan's Labyrinth with the little girl in the foreground and oh, and, and the fawn behind her. I dig it. It doesn't scream this movie though. That looks like a bear I wouldn't mind being friends with, and she looks yeah. like. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Like that might be her girl's picture for her dating profile or something. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Or that's that's like her spirit animal, you know. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> speaks to the what the film is on any level, but it's, it's a nice. A bear, I wouldn't mind being friends yeah. with. This like bear that. looks friendly. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. And that was that was funny about that movie about this film because you know they they showed the bear in the cage and they're like yeah. and he's just like oh that's just a bear and we're like and you're like hmm that's gonna come yeah. back later. Yeah. You know, there were two things actually. There was the bear, which then, I mean, eventually they then just eviscerate and put the guy in, and I'm like, well, that fucking sucks for the bear. And yeah. I'm, and the other thing was, is the inbred mutant guy who did all their art translation on the on the thing, you know, and they show that guy in one of the trailers, and you're just like, oh, there's gonna be some fucked up sequence with that <laughs> character, definitely. And yeah. They do is like show him twice. Yeah, nothing, other than talking about him, there's nothing that has to do with him. And I'm I like, mean, you, that seems like a complete waste. Yeah, they're just showing like, well, there's been some inbreeding here. That's about it. <laughs> well, they need to inbreed their mystics, you know, and I yeah. and again, I get that aspect of their weird religion. But again, that's just one more point. That they don't explain, yeah. you know, you know, like I would have thought I, th I thought that they were going to breed her to get another one of him or something, you know, we're going to try and breed her with him in order to get the next generation of fucking weirdos or whatever. But you know, that's, yeah, they don't even explain what their, no. uh, what their, what their obsession with her is. Well, other than, like, yeah. Other than being the may queen. And well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Too. You know what? I totally thought the last shot of the movie was going to be, I thought it was going to be a push in on the wall of pictures of the may queens. Cause they show them taking her picture with the old Raleigh camera. And I thought it was going to be a push in on her photo on the wall as Bacon. All on the shining with them, somebody walking in or walking into that room and hanging the picture up on the wall and tacking a nail in and hanging her picture up. And I thought that was going to be the end after something horrible had happened to her. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, they didn't even address. Nah. It just it just seemed to suggest she was over her trauma now. Although you know, she with totally, her smiling she at totally the end, accepted her place in this. Like like Pele said, this is her new family. Yeah, it's her new family. Um, just, it's a whole it's a whole uh, big commercial for uh, euthanasia, basically. <laughs> Why do kids need to be in Asia? <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is next oh, um, comedy. Yeah. yeah, you had yeah, euthanasia. You see the poster for the next. Uh, the next M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah. I've kind of given up on that man a little bit. Oh. Even yeah. even, oh. even in even with his resurgence? Has there been one? I don't know. Yeah. Oh. It's hard know. when your it's best movie fired. is your first movie. It yeah, is that's, that. it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough one to It's a great movie. I, I mean I have seen I've seen a few of them. I stopped seeing the last couple, but maybe maybe I need to revisit that. The the visit is worth watching and so is split. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Isn't the one that's gotten all sorts of uh, flack right now. They're trying to get it taken off Netflix. Which one? Split. The split. Uh, Glass. No, the split. No, I don't think so. The split. No, no, no. I don't know. Is that the one about his divorce? No. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Tony Tony Coppin is our our current image we're looking at. <laughs> okay. Um, Love the guy with the hammer. 
yeah, we finally get a guy with the mallet, you know, and that's the other thing I love when they walk, <laughs> when they all walk up and they're all just standing there. Right. And they pan the camera around and, you're, and all of a sudden there's a guy with a hammer with a six foot handle on it. And you're like, all right, so something something's going awry here, you know. <laughs> like they, don't get, they don't have a guy with a six foot hammer for nothing. No. Uh, so next is a piece by Yuko Higuchi. This might be my one of, in my top three. This, I believe, was actually com- this was commissioned uh, as a poster. There were a series of there were a couple of ones I found, but this was the best one uh, of commissioned but from Japanese artists for something. So. It's really nice, you know. It's a beauty. Yeah. One to end it on. Mm, exactly. exactly. Look at the eyes and the flowers. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of the things I love when they when after they made her the May Queen is she sits down and and the vines and I mean obviously she's still dripping but the vines and everything are moving on the on the arm of the chair sort of under at her at her will and like the flowers are like breathing and the yep. food the food is pulsing and. And all, all that kind of stuff. There's a, just a lot of really great visuals going on in that movie. Yeah. Normally what we would do here, Dan, is uh, we do something we call the martini, where we, we generally would, would discuss the where, where the main film kind of sits in this director's collection of films. Uh, now, seeing as Ari only has done two films, really, not counting the earlier one, which uh, none of us have seen. Those are um, shorts. Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and say I, I enjoyed Hereditary more. Yeah, Hereditary I say is a better film, certainly. Um, but uh, you know, so, like like Latham said, and I and I agree with him 100. Uh, percent You know, anything this guy has coming down the pipe, I'm gonna be interested in seeing. 100. You know, if if you know, a four hour horror comedy sounds like a stretch to me, but uh, you know, that must be tough for me. I mean, my, just make it a mini series. You know, don't call it a movie. I hate when people make long movies and they're just miniseries. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, that's <laughs> tired of people. Oh, that's that. amateurish. It is. <laughs> I like how my lighting has changed throughout this entire. Uh, uh, Someone turned the light on in the background. Uh, you <laughs> know what I think it is? It's the contrast to whatever's on the screen that's reflecting on your computer Maybe. screen. Maybe. So yeah. I think that that on that on the big monitor. So it's like, yeah, see, look, there you go. Yeah, it's it's how I much have all, I have DB pages open. It's the it's the white balance of uh, versus the uh, <laughs> what's happening. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. there you go. Little, that's just my regular. That's nice and warm. Yeah, <laughs> just like me. That's right. Yeah, very yeah. very inviting. The inviting Dan Panosian. Uh, so Dan, oh. uh, thank you. Thank you guys for basically telling me you know my choices <laughs> no that's oh man i'm glad i watched them both i mean i didn't watch midsummer again but i'm glad i watched Night <laughs> the gate again i wouldn't put you through that life i wouldn't do that <laughs> no it, was, it wasn't a, i mean again it's not a i don't view it as a bad movie i just i just don't love it i yeah. I, I i like i would recommend both movies for people to see and that's that cool. matters more i think is whether something's worth seeing whether it, you find it good or bad because Art is subjective. It just matters if the art is worth experiencing. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I had a great time, you guys. Son, I appreciated it. And um, Stephen, you know, we'll have to have a talk about this later, but I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and Steve, I will be seeing you soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
wait, wait, what? What? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna get an email about two minutes after this ends, and it's gonna be like, by the way, you know, you can't air any of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan Balkin. Yeah. yeah. So I'll go, Stephen. I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get a ladder, and you and I are gonna have a little talking to. because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan's such Dan's I, such a tiny guy. Um, yeah. so. I do appreciate like having because I wouldn't have seen mid. I, I I wanted to see Midsummer, but I wouldn't have gotten around to it. Yeah, anytime well, soon. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know how I landed. I think I liked Heredity that much that I was like, I got to see this. So. Right. Yeah. I appreciate do, it. Thank do you. Do you have anything uh, you want to plug, Dan? Well, I'm I'm doing kind of a, a horror comic book. I guess it would be called. It's uh, it's called An Unkindness of Ravens for Boom Studios, and the first mm-hmm. issue just came out. Uh, I think it was the 23rd, so last Wednesday, and it's doing pretty good. It sold it sold pretty well and put a lot of work into it. It's um, it's ideally like 25 issues or something to that. Wow. Effect. We'll see. We'll see. But you know, this is all depends on how well it's received. Um, well, fuck. They just made. Uh, they're making 1.3 million dollars on Berserker, uh, which ends tomorrow yeah, morning. So, so I think that they can afford to throw a little a little back into uh, you know. Hopefully yeah, we'll doing, yeah, that's all numbers. Just it, I always consider comic books as um, it's like Hollywood for kindergartners. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same stuff that goes on just on a extreme, a much much smaller scale. So right. It's, it's all about numbers. It's all about you know what's what's you know what's going to happen. And I get it. So and then, I, ho- I hope it catches on. I, it, it get, like these films. It's kind of a slow burn. So it starts off one way it starts off instantly enough and it just every issue gets creepier and darker and darker um, so so this is a story with a definite beginning and ending it is unfortunately okay. it doesn't end at issue five but there is a lot of resolution by issue five um okay. and i think by the end you can you can almost put the pieces together um of, of, of what's happened which is good but you know by the second series the first series would be completely resolved right on yeah you know. cool, cool. Yeah. Who's cool. uh, who's writing it? I'm writing it. Um, this girl Mariana Ignazi, this Italian um, artist, she's she's doing the pencils and the inks, and then Fabiana Mascalo is coloring it. She's a brilliant colorist. Um, I did I did the uh, logo, which is right. Uh, I love doing logos. And obviously the cover. And I do also. There's like bookends for this thing, so it starts off with an older, like her, her, um, Mariana's style is, is very, I don't know how to describe it. It's, I mean, people kind of can, people kind of compare it to like almost like Archie comics in a way. So it's a little, it's a little bit of a different take for uh, what you'd think for a horror, um, comic book. But, uh, the coloring is, is kind of sophisticated and, and they, these, these two girls know each other quite well and they, they've worked together in the past and they're oh, friends. Good. good. And then my, my story is, is more told like the Stardust, the Neil Gaiman Stardust stuff with Charles Vest, where it's almost like a storybook, and it gives you backstory onto kind of what's happening, and a little foreshadowing in places. So, I don't know. It's it's, a, it's an unusual, strange comic book, and I'll it's be curious to see how it resonates with people, good or bad. I look forward to checking it out. That's for that's for sure. I'll have to uh, I'll have to go try and run down a copy somewhere. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Absolutely. But uh, again. Uh, I very much appreciate your time. Thanks so much. I know this is I know this is past uh, unplugged time, so I, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't disturb your your son, he, he so worked. we did good. I'm so, he's obviously asleep by now. 
So I, I get a talking to from him in the morning. Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> were you hiding from me? Yeah. Afraid of me? He's yeah. still, he thinks, yeah, we always fight and he always goes, you know, I beat you up, right, Dad? And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Yes, you will. <laughs> By the time he's 16, I'm sure he'll be able to. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't know Dan, Dan's built like a UFC fighter. He's he's built like a like a my younger like an old school UFC fighter. Not like a, not like the young twin guys they have now. Huh? Roided out a roided out one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that. That's on a side note. How how the UFC kind of like dispelled all that stuff for people. I know, right? See these these guys that were clearly influenced like I was from the the 90s and 80s with all these huge muscles, and then you have like a guy like this last week went weekend with Israel Adesanya who just looks like a skinny tall guy just beat the living daylights out of this guy who looks like an action figure, and he just made sport of the guy. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's a little disheartening. That's why I mean. Completely out of context. That's why I always loved um, Nor. Uh, I forget the director Norrington. I think is it, uh, Blade. Oh, yes. And yes. the fact that they hired um, Stephen Dorff to to offset. Uh, yeah. To to you know to offset Wesley Snipes, who Wesley Snipes is a smaller guy, but he has a giant presence yeah. on camera. So you get this kind of almost uh, gangly yeah. Stephen Dorff. And he's still a, a genuinely effective bad guy, you know. He's he's b- completely believable. Um, and I think if they had gotten some like 1980s like Schwarzenegger type to do it, it would have been too cartoony. Yeah. So weird, yeah, in, yeah, in keeping what you were saying. Yeah. So the UFC kind of dispelled all that stuff for everyone, um, much to my chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> Put all that work in for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> This is useless. 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 I want a milkshake. It's my fries. Where's my fries? <laughs> yeah. I want carbs. My God, I want carbs. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Man. Well. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, Dan, guys, have a good awesome. night. Thanks, buddy. Take care. I'll Thank talk you, to you soon. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so Thank much, you. everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks to Fesslian Studios for our intro music. Get your own awesome music at fesslianstudios.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening, as always, and in the words of our friend and fellow cholrophobiac, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.